0: You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, episode 31. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars, Music Therapists Talk Motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Ramback, and this podcast is for music therapists and anyone else balancing a passion-fueled career with being a mom. This podcast is sponsored by Music Teacher's Helper, the best way to manage your private music lesson studio and or music therapy practice. I've used Music Teacher's Helper every single day since 2011 and it is one of the best tools I have to keep my private practice running smoothly. Music Teacher's Helper is online scheduling and billing software which you can access from your computer, laptop, tablet, and smartphone and saves you hours every month, enables you to generate reports for taxes, and ensures you never lose track of a payment. Once you add a student, which is super easy, you can choose to automatically send students custom invoices that can be paid by credit card if you make that an option, automatically email lesson and session reminders, late payment notifications, notes, and so much more. So many amazing features, I can't even list them all here. Every user also receives a free, easy-to-build website template to help market your studio or private practice ditch the costly web designer or programmers and have complete control over your website content. With dozens of professional templates available, you'll be sure to find one that best expresses your style. Whether you have 5 or 50 students, Music Teacher's Helper works with studios and practices of all sizes. They offer a 30-day no-risk trial where you can test it out to discover how much time you'll be saving. If you use the link in the show notes or go to www.musicteachershelper.com podcast, you'll save 20% off your first month if you choose to sign up after the trial. In this episode, I'm chatting with Lauren Servos. Lauren has been a board-certified music therapist since 2009 and currently works at Riley Hospital for Children in Indianapolis, where she's been working in various capacities since she completed her internship. Lauren opened her private practice, Joyful Melodies, in the spring of 2015. She's the wife of her high school sweetheart, Nathan, and the mother of their 15-month-old daughter, Mary May. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, let's get started with you telling us about your background and how you came to be a music therapist. Sure. Uh, well, I've always been interested in music,
1: singing in church choirs from when I was a young child and begging my mom for piano lessons in second grade. <laughs> started that pretty early and um, started playing flute in fourth grade and was in band and choir throughout grade school and high school, just loved everything music. Um, But then when it came down to picking a career, I was not sure I wanted to go um, the education route. And um, I definitely didn't want to do performance. I didn't really like performing. I just liked practicing quietly. I was kind of a weird music kid. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I was really interested in the medical field. And I actually took a little like mini internship medical class in high school, I think my junior year, where I shadowed different medical professionals and I loved it. I like to be where people, this sounds weird, but where people were hurting and I could help. I really like to work with people in need. Um, and so since I was pretty sure I didn't want to do teaching or performance, I just, you know, kind of resigned myself to the fact that I might do music as a hobby as an adult and um, work in a hospital, maybe as a nurse or something like that. So I started to look into schools who had good nursing programs, but then I found out about music therapy. When a music therapist came to my uh, it was like my last semester of high school she came to my choir and she talked about what music therapy was and showed a video and I was like oh my gosh this career was made for me this is exactly what I want to do and so um, I had applied and been accepted to Michigan State University um, just as like a pre-nursing major I think at that point And they had a music therapy program as well. So that summer, I drove up with my parents and auditioned for the school of music and switched my major and never looked back.
0: Wow. So you're really lucky. You're one of the few that actually went into music therapy at the beginning of school rather than kind of had to course correct after a couple of years or even after finishing a degree program.
1: Yeah, I was really lucky that that music therapist showed up in my high school when she did. It was perfect timing. Do you remember who she was? I don't. I would love to track her down. I'm pretty sure it was somebody from IPFW in Fort Wayne, but I've never really reached out to see who was working there as a professor at that time. I probably should.
0: Yeah. If any (laughs) of you are listening and you are that person, thanks for changing my life. There you go. There you go. Awesome. So what was your feeling towards music therapy when you got started with the degree program? Loved it. Absolutely
1: loved it. Knew it was what I was supposed to do. Backing up to when that music therapist was talking to my choir in high school, I had the thought in that choir class, oh my gosh, wouldn't that be awesome to be a music therapist at Riley Hospital, which is like the major Indiana hospital um, in Indianapolis. And at that point, when I was finishing my undergrad, they had an internship program. And so I had my heart set on going there. And uh, I don't think I really applied anywhere else. I was going to like do my second choices later if I didn't get accepted at Riley, but I like threw my whole heart into getting into Riley and got accepted. And so, um, I really wanted to work there after my internship as well. So I, uh, got some additional training there to be a certified child life specialist, got certified in both music therapy and music and child life. And so, um, they had, they didn't have any music therapy job openings when I was finally done with my training, but um, they did have a part-time, music, part-time child life specialist opening. So um, I applied for and got that, and that's how I got started at Riley, and I'm full-time there now. I've been there ever since for the past seven years.
0: That's so cool to have all that experience and really started your career there and been able to evolve in the same place.
1: I, I've had lots of different jobs there throughout the years, too. Because um, now I'm full-time in music therapy there as a music therapist, and I started out part-time as a child life specialist on the cancer center um, while trying to make ends meet, teaching kinder music and seeing some private music therapy clients in the community. And then um, that there was a full-time job opening about mm, six or seven months after I started working there in the emergency department. So I started working in the emergency department full-time in the evenings, which was quite an experience.
0: I can um, imagine. Was this as a music therapist or a child? As life? a child life specialist. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that was actually one of my favorite jobs there. It was
1: it was adrenaline filled every night. I, I've for never sure.
0: heard of a, a child life specialist being in an emergency department. Tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about that. <laughs> it was
1: exciting. It was um, a lot of teaching and supporting kids through IV starts because almost everybody who came into the emergency department at least needed fluids. Um, and if uh, de- definitely if they were going to be admitted, they needed an IV. So it was a lot of helping staff understand how to develop mentally um, support children through stressful experiences and doing things like helping ch- children with deep breathing by blowing bubbles or by singing a song or something like that to distract them while they were um, getting IVs started. And then, there, of course, there would be traumas coming in, like car crashes and any any kind of physical trauma um, kids would come in and it would be just like in the TV shows, you know, they'd rush the gurney in and sometimes people were doing compressions and there's sobbing family members and siblings and you just jump in and try to help make the situation easier for the family in whatever way you could. Sometimes I took the siblings into a different room and we played games and talked and um, it was, yeah, I just did whatever I could to make it less stressful for the families.
0: Being in that capacity probably, prepared you for pretty much anything after that. Yeah, I felt pretty prepared. Yeah. When you were working in <laughs> these crisis situations. Oh yeah, I'm sure. As a child life specialist, did you use music at all? I did. And I had a lot of conversations with my manager
1: about how um, appropriate that was because mm-hmm. I didn't want to be doing something that was outside of my job description necessarily. If right. that wasn't appropriate, I just I'm a rule follower. (laughs) I like to know what the rules are and do my best to follow them. So, um, but I did end up purchasing an ocean drum and I think a cue cord that I kept down there. And um, what I used most with my, was my iPad though. Mm, I don't think we did right now. I use my iPad mostly for garage band type of stuff, but I don't think I used that type of intervention down there because it was just so fast paced. It was more um, pulling up, videos and their favorite songs and singing along with them to distract them from pain and discomfort and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, right. So how long were you in that department before you moved on?
1: I was in the emergency department for a year. And then um, during that year, I had gotten married to my high school sweetheart. And he, we were finally, we'd been long distance this whole time since high school. So because he went to Purdue and I went to Michigan State. So we were so excited to be married and living in the same house and seeing <laughs> each other every gym. day, <laughs> but I was the ER job was evenings and nights, so we he was working days, and so we really still only saw each other on the weekends because of our opposite schedules. So although I loved the ER job and there still wasn't a music therapy job open, I um, decided to see if my manager would let me switch to a daytime position in child life, and they were looking for someone to start the child life program in the radiology department. So I um, talked to my manager, and I switched over to radiology. Okay. That was a totally different
0: experience. <laughs> yeah, so talk a little about that.
1: Well, I had to do an entire needs assessment of the department because that radiology includes x-ray and ultrasound and CT scan, MRI, interventional radiology, which is where they Sometimes sedate patients, sometimes don't to do um, like sterile procedures, such as like putting in a pick line, which is um, it's a like a, an IV, but it goes all the way through your vein to your heart. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the tube goes all the way through, and it has to be, of course, very sterile and specifically done. And they need to take some um, guided x rays to make sure that it gets in the exact right position. And um, it can be stressful for kids to, you know, lay there while somebody's poking their arm or their leg and threading this tube all the way through to their heart. So um, it was a lot of helping children learn how to stay still when they could be awake, because ideally you don't want to sedate everybody. You don't want to give them drugs that will, you know, just be in their system when they maybe would be able to hold still with the right kind of support. And so it was a lot of teaching staff, a lot of. Um, figuring out where child life support would be most utilized or best utilized in that environment, making recommendations and just building the program down down there.
0: And how long did you stay in that department? Well, a music therapist
1: decided um, to leave and move to be with her husband who had gotten a job in a different state about four months into my job in radiology. (laughs) So my manager was aware though, although I loved all of my jobs there, that music therapy was what I really wanted to do. So she was so supportive. And I think it really was only four or five months in radiology. And I switched over to music therapy.
0: So at this point, pretty much everybody at the hospital must have known you. That's so cool that you really got to establish yourself there. And I'm sure that you really um, kind of paved the way for all of these services. It was cool. I I do know a
1: lot of people there. It's funny when I just walk through the halls and, you know, if I'm with somebody new, a bunch of people will say hi to me and I'll ask them how they're doing. And it's an ER nurse here and a radiology tech there. And I know all the inpatient, not all the inpatient, but many people in the inpatient units from my current job. So, yeah, it's nice to have those connections.
0: Yeah, yeah. So now that you're finally a music therapist after working in all these other capacities, what what was that change like for you? It was – I don't
1: even know how to describe it. Wow. <laughs> it was awesome <laughs> because yeah. it was my dream job, you know, fulfilled since high school. That's what I wanted to do. Did um, it live up to, to all of your
0: expectations?
1: Yes. Yes. I I love it. And um, in a different way back then because it was different, Back then, it was uh, just two of us, and we were doing more focus on the med surge units and on the kids who were able to be awake and interact, and since then, the focus has shifted to the really sick, um, critically ill patients, mm-hmm. which is a change that I've initiated and helped um, push for because I feel like that's where the need is, especially with the child life specialist um, positions growing. Um, they, had, they grew a lot over my time working there. And so there's a lot of child life specialists who have the ability to interact with the kids who are awake and able to play and benefit from a lot of modalities. But there's some um, types of patients who benefit most from music therapy, and those are the ones who aren't, in general, able to communicate as well or aren't completely alert but are still experiencing pain and agitation. They can respond to the music So we've been doing a lot of work over the last three years that I've been a music therapist, trying to figure out where music can uniquely help.
0: So what are some of the ways that you implement music and that you work with these patients?
1: Um, Right now, I focus on the critical care units. Um, There's three of us now. One works on the NICU, one in specialty care, which is um, the cancer center and transplant units mostly. And um, I'm on the PICU, so pediatric intensive care. I get referrals for all sorts of things. Um, a lot of times, it's acute agitation. Um, so, patient, they, there's this period of like confusion and agitation that often happens for patients when they're weaning their um, sedation, so that patients can wake up and start breathing on their own if they're on a ventilator, and start practicing taking those breaths. But they're not awake enough to breathe completely on their own. So there's this intermittent agitation period that often happens right before they withdraw the vent and the patient can breathe on their own. And music therapy can be really helpful during that time to help keep patients calm and comfort the families too.
0: So do you do a lot of work with the families as a whole then in in addition to just the patient? Definitely. So tell me me about that because I'm always interested when – music therapists work um, more in the in the family-centered approach, especially in the hospital setting. Um, yeah. What kinds of things do you do with them?
1: I do a lot of songwriting. Um, a, a lot of my referrals are for the moms of patients who, um, especially infant patients who've been on the PICU, a lot of them waiting for a heart transplant. They can wait there for a year, you know, for the very perfect heart that's the right size and matches in all the most perfect ways. But that during that time, they're really, really sick and they need critical care help to sustain their life. So, these moms are stuck at the bedside of these ill infants and it's hard to cope. Um, not to mention, their patients or their infants are in pain a lot of the time and just are, you know, suffering in little ways. So, I'll kind of get in the door by asking if I can sing their baby a lullaby. And, you know, who's going to say no to that, <laughs> mm-hmm. especially when I walk up with my guitar and oh, I'm just a music therapist. Can I sing your baby a lullaby? And OK. And um, sometimes they'll start to sing along and um, then we can move into a discussion about what their favorite things are to do with their baby or if they have other kids, what do their kids like to have sung to them. And um, would they like to make a CD for their little brother or sister um, of their voices since they can't always be at bedside since they're in school? Um, and then I'll transition sometimes into, would you like to write a special lullaby just for your baby together? And that's an opportunity for the parents to really express what they're feeling and develop that therapeutic relationship with me so that they can um, just, you know, what's going on inside and help them cope a little bit better.
0: I can imagine that that your approach and just your, your feelings about your work have Changed and evolved since becoming a mom, so I, I really want to get into that a little bit later. But before we do that, let's let's talk about you going down that path of motherhood and and where that started for you. Well, my husband would argue that I wanted to have kids right away. I tricked
1: him. <laughs> <laughs> I tricked him because before we got married, I was like, oh, we'll wait a couple years, and then you know, the week after we got married, I'm like, you know, we should have a kid. <laughs> But we did end up waiting a couple of years before trying and um, ended up being l- really lucky, I think, in getting pregnant within four months of trying. And um, it, was, it was a great experience, actually. Just like if I'm looking at thinking about the pregnancy part, like I felt really healthy throughout. I had food aversions, but wasn't really sick. Um, it was just a magical time. I really... I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say I loved being pregnant because there's a lot of um, uncomfortable feelings that go along with that. Um, But it was just magical to think that, you know, our daughter was growing inside of my body. That's a miracle.
0: Yeah, it it is. And when you really stop and think about it, which I did a lot, especially with my second pregnancy, because I'd already been through it before and, and had my son and to think that, oh, my gosh. You know, that, that happened as a result of this pregnancy and that's, I get to do that again. It's just such an amazing feeling. Um, Yeah. It really is. So did you continue working throughout your entire pregnancy? I did. I actually went into labor on my due date while I was training my um, replacement, not replacement, but somebody who (laughs) is,
1: who is going to cover for me for maternity leave. Yep.
0: On your due date. So was your daughter born on your due date? Nope. The day after. Okay. Okay, so what was what was that like and having her actually be born and and then your postpartum uh, experiences? Um, her
1: actual birth was wonderful. I mean, it was exhausting and everything, but I had really wanted to be it to be as natural as possible. Mm-hmm. And um, I was able to, go all naturally. I labored through the night and that was difficult to just be awake that long. Mm. Um, Although I'm sure many other people have longer labors. (laughs) She was born at like 1 30 p.m. the next day. Um, So and my labor didn't really get difficult until the night before, like the evening before. So it was, I don't know, maybe about 12 hours of difficult labor without a a night of sleep. Mm. But um we, we made it. We didn't give birth in a hospital, but um, I think I just got fluids, IV fluids, and it was, my nurse was amazing. I couldn't have done it without her. I remember there was a point where I was like considering getting an epidural and no judgment about women who get epidurals, by the way. That's, I think every birth is different and um, everybody does what's right for them. But she, she just encouraged me. She said, I think you're coping really well. And I think that if you want to do this naturally, you can do it. And I was like, okay, I guess we're doing yeah. it. And she was born like five hours, four or five hours after that. It like really suddenly sped up. And that was my concern that it wouldn't speed up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it did after she said that somehow like magic. So, yeah, it was a great experience.
0: It sounds a lot like my experience actually I uh, with Mia, my my daughter, Parker, my son came in three hours. And so that was. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, completely (laughs) unexpected, especially with a first child. So I kind of went into my second pregnancy expecting a really fast birth as well. And I had planned on doing it naturally again. And then my water broke right away. So, you know what they say about your water breaking, then you have that ticking clock. And, you know, then you start to worry about, you know, things not progressing. But I ended up laboring for about twelve hours, just like just like you, and through the night, which was oh my gosh, exhausting because mm-hmm. I had already had a long day that day, and it sounds like you probably did too, having worked that day. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know about you, but I, I didn't feel like I could labor laying down. Oh, it was I so could, that uncomfortable. Was, that
0: was the most uncomfortable position for me, and I only yes. I only got back in the bed like right before it was time to push because mm-hmm. yeah, me I too. I found that to be really uncomfortable. Yeah, I spent a lot of time walking and, and trying to speed things up that way and then the um, the labor ball. But I think like you, having good support, my doula there, and then I had a really, really supportive nurse just like you did who encouraged me and that really makes all the difference because in, in the moment, you really <laughs> kind of fight with yourself about whether or not you can do it and to have somebody you know, outside of you say, yes, you can, you almost just mm-hmm. believe them as opposed to the voices in your head <laughs> saying otherwise. Yeah. 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 So, so she was born at one you said? Yep. One okay. in the afternoon. And, and what were things like from there and taking her home from the hospital?
1: Um, maternity leave was wonderful. I loved being home with her and it was almost just freeing to realize that, I mean, take. Care of a baby is a big job and it's a lot of work, but it was freeing for my mind to only have to focus on keeping this little person happy and alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that was my only job for months. And it was so relaxing to my mind, not to my body, but, but yeah. for my mind to just have that break because I had um, work was getting a little bit more difficult during my pregnancy. There were some things going on in the department that were pretty stressful. And with the transition to the more critically ill population, that was having an effect on my stress. And um, to be pregnant on top of it and planning a maternity leave and um, thinking a lot about the future, it was just really nice to have that break and just focus on the baby.
0: Yeah. So were you able to completely step away from work and and just have that time away from it completely yep that's three months I didn't even think about it (laughs) for many days (laughs) at a time yeah it was great that's wonderful especially for your first child and being new to motherhood because it's such a it's a transition and there's so much to get used to hormonally and emotionally and it's Mm -hmm. definitely an adjustment but it sounds like it came really naturally for you Yeah. I, I was ready for
1: a vacation from work at that point. (laughs) Yeah. I, I was ready for a a little break, saving up my time off that whole time for the maternity leave. So, um, I hadn't even taken time off in a really long time. So it was, it was good timing.
0: So what kinds of things did you do while you were home on maternity leave? Um, I did a lot of just
1: taking care of the baby and, um, learning how to be a mom. I, it was really important to me to breastfeed. So that was a big adjustment. And I went to some breastfeeding support groups, which were really helpful because it's hard mm-hmm. to learn how to do that. And it changes over time too. I needed help when she was two months old because her latch suddenly
0: changed. And, um, it was so nice to have that support. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Actually I, I went to, a. Um a mom and baby support group at our hospital and the some of the women that I met there are now my best friends and we get together with our babies and a lot of us now have second babies so it's been really cool to have that bond and and be able to be support for each other throughout that time yeah yeah and at what point did you feel like or did you feel like you were ready to go back to work? I did not feel ready to go back
1: my I only had maternity leave um, fmLA for the three months. And so um, you know, I had a lot of talks about it with my husband, and um, I think I knew that I needed to go back that that was the next step for me, but it was really hard. i I don't think three months is long enough, especially for for me and to go back into that environment with sick children, it was, it was really hard. And, of course, I go back to work and on my caseload, they're like four or five three-month-olds on the oh. ICU. That was so hard. It was really hard. Plus, learning how to pump and t- taking all that time to pump like three times a day during the workday and being stressed out about is this going to be enough milk, how should you do any daycare? It was really, really stressful.
0: What kinds of things did you do to cope with that stress?
1: Um, um, I cried. <laughs> I cried a lot, and I talked to my coworkers and to um, colleagues in the field um, who worked other places as well. Some some of my friends, and um, yeah, I got a lot of support online too. Um, I started to, well, at that time, I started to think like, wow, is this is this going to work for me as a mom to work in this environment? Because it was a job prior to be me, me, me being a mother. But, um, I didn't know if maybe that had changed or if I needed more time or, um, or what. So I started to just kind of open my eyes to see what else was out there in the field of music therapy. And like, if this wasn't my dream job anymore, what would be my dream job? Um, and started to think about that. So, um, yeah, I, I felt like it got better over time. And now we, are, we just passed my one year back from maternity leave mark. And I feel completely different than I did a year ago. I can cope with what's going on. I feel like I can take off my mom hat and put on my therapist hat when I walk into a room. Um, but that wasn't the case when I first came back from maternity leave. I was used to being a mom for three months. And so I'd walk in and see a three-month-old crying and I'd want to mother her, not mm-hmm. be a therapist to the family. And so that was really hard to keep my role straight. And um, yeah, I, I did my best and took a lot of breaks at work in the beginning. Yeah, um, But it did get better with time. I think I, I'm an advocate for longer maternity leaves. <laughs> I, I just think it was not enough time, especially with me wanting to exclusively
0: breastfeed. Mm-hmm. It wasn't yeah. a good
1: time for me to leave my baby. It's but... not
0: easy at all. It's, I mean, breastfeeding is, basically a full-time job, especially when they're that young. It's, you mm-hmm. know, you're everything to them, literally.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I just, I didn't feel like I should be leaving her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said that you learned over time to take off your mom hat and put on the therapist hat. How mm-hmm. how did your approach as a therapist change or evolve once you, once you got back into the groove? Um, I notice
1: parents way more than I did before. I feel like I was, I I was focused on the patient and family centered care before, but now I walk in and I see the whole family right away. And, um, I, I just, I going through those first couple months back from maternity leave when I was really struggling with identifying too much with the parents. Um, I just, it would be so, so many things. It would feel like so many things to have your child in the hospital. And I just, um, I notice that a lot more now. And so I focus a lot on the entire family more now than I did before.
0: Yeah. And and do you feel like your relationships with the children that you work with has changed in any way?
1: You know, I think my approach as a therapist has changed a little bit. Um, I used to be I mean, I like to get, I'm like kind of like a book learner. I like to learn and read and that kind of thing. And I would like read about these protocols and do them and um, think about like observing responses and just be really kind of cerebral about what I was doing. And now I kind of trust my instincts a little bit more. And um, I don't question my instincts as much either because before I would be like, oh, I'm just rocking this baby now and not even singing. And if I do this for 20 minutes, is that a good use of my time? Like, I'd just be like, oh, is this the baby who really needs me right now? Like, is this really music therapy, just rocking them right now? And now it's like, this is what this child needs. Mm -hmm. I'm a music therapist. That doesn't mean I always have to be producing music with my body. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If this is the therapy this child needs, 10 minutes of being held and feeling comforted by somebody they trust, then that's
0: totally appropriate. And I don't need to question that. So it's made me more confident. I'm so happy that you said that because you really put into words what I've felt about my approach as a therapist since becoming a mom too. And it is it is exactly that. You you have this confidence that comes from raising a child and understanding the needs of a child that I feel like doesn't come quite as naturally before you, you're a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I find myself doing those things and not questioning them as much as I did before. So I, I like how you put that. Yeah. What are some of the most fulfilling aspects that you found um, of, of being a working mom? Uh, I have really liked
1: – Yeah, it was a struggle to put Mary in daycare. But seeing her develop little friendships has been so much fun. Oh, she really likes being around those kids at her daycare. She's in a little in-home daycare in our neighborhood, so it works out really well that either of us can just drop her off on our way to or from work, and um, it that has worked out really well, even though it was hard. Uh, seeing her with other kids is so much fun.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I have had the same experience with my son, and I was one of those moms that cried every single drop off, and mm-hmm. it was way harder on me. Well, it was pretty hard on him, too at the beginning, but, um, (laughs) but over time, you know, he looks forward to going and we call it school. We, he looks forward to going to school and being with his friends. And I think that it's taken him really far developmentally as well. Mm -hmm. So that's something that for me was one of my biggest barriers to really enjoying being a working mom. And now it's something that I'm really comfortable with. So I'm glad to hear that you're having that same experience. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, just this last weekend, you know, I, I always kind of daydream sometimes about, oh, what if I had a day just to be a mommy during the week or something? You know, I, I think that's normal for working moms to wish for more time with their kids. Um, but I was thinking about that this weekend and we went to a water park together and she was going up to all the other kids like, oh, I wish they were my friends and I could play with them. And I was like, oh, she wants her friends. She likes to be around other kids. She so She would be missing out if I was home with her all the time, or I would have to find ways to get her with groups of kids and everything. So I'm glad she has her little friends that she can play with at daycare.
0: Yeah, that's so nice. That's so um, comforting to know that she's happy and having fun while you're at work. Yeah. So um, any other fulfilling aspects you want to talk about? Um, I think that it's, like I said earlier, way easier
1: to connect with specifically the mothers of my patients and to support them. And a lot of times, even in like um, really stressful situations, like when a patient is passing away or something, and I'm just sitting quietly with a mother, she'll ask me if I have any kids. And i it's nice to be able to say yes and to talk about my experience as much as therapeutically appropriate if she's asking for that information. <clears throat> and we kind of have an extra level we can go to that I didn't have before. So that's really nice.
0: It almost makes you a little bit more credible to parents. I feel like sometimes they look at you in a different light, like, okay, you get it. You kind of know where I'm coming from on these things. And I know that for me too, it's helped me connect better with the parents of my clients. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move on to self-care because working in that environment, I'm sure that that has to be something that's really necessary for you to have as a part of your routine. So what kinds of things do you do to take care of yourself? Well, something that I have been doing that
1: has been making me feel um, extra fulfilled and excited is working on my private practice,
0: Joyful yes. Melodies. Yeah. I can't wait to hear more about that because you reached out to me a few months ago and told me that you were working on that. And uh, I was you know, thrilled to hear that because I love to talk to people about private practice. But um, knowing that you worked in the hospital environment that has to be a challenge to kind of do both things at the same time.
1: Yes, it is a challenge time-wise, especially with the little one. She's 15 months now and as adorable as ever. <laughs> so I don't want to miss a moment of her.
0: Right.
1: Um, but it's really been fulfilling for, for me to see, to work with people outside of the hospital. It's been a reminder that not everybody gets horribly ill, <laughs> you know, but after working for seven years in that environment, And you start i i started to have strange thoughts like oh when i'm a mom and my kid is in the hospital and then i have to stop myself wait a minute no most moms their kid never goes in a hospital
0: right
1: you know but that's the world i lived in for for these past seven years so um, i realized when i came back from maternity leave that i needed to spend some time outside of that world um, professionally to um, take care of myself and just thinking long term um, not sure if working in the hospital full time might work if I've got multiple children, and so just kind of exploring what might work instead if I want to continue working in some capacity. It's it's been really fun. My my little tagline is joyful melodies helps people of all ages and abilities cope with life's cha- challenges, experience the joy of positive relationships, and express themselves through music.
0: Oh, I love that. Thanks. Yeah. So are you seeing clients yet or are you still sort of in the building stage? Um, the last four months I've been in the building stage
1: and I'm just about to start see clients. Um, I've got two contracts right now that are um, haven't officially started but are in the works. Um, one is with um, a Medicaid waiver company. So um, I'll be the first music therapist on their team to support one of support clients who are on a a one of two Medicaid waivers that reimburse for music therapy in Indiana. Um, So that will be fun. And then um, another one is actually to help with an, a mortuary's outreach,
0: (laughs) (laughs) which sounds
1: funny, but yeah, they, I've been doing a lot of presenting and um, just kind of networking the past four months as I've been getting my um, joyful melodies, you know, off the ground and she found out about me Um, from one of the people I networked with and she, this outreach coordinator at the mortuary contacted me and asked if we could talk. And I was like, sure. (laughs) And she explained that they just want to create a positive, um, they want people to feel positively about them and their company and their services so that they can recommend them if, should they ever need them. And so they specifically wanted to do some sort of outreach to, um, retirement communities and assisted living facilities. And so she was like, "And I thought about music therapy. Wouldn't that be cool if we paid you to go in and do groups to all these different facilities?" And I was like, "Yes, that would be cool."
0: <laughs> that is so cool. And what so, an interesting, um, what an interesting way to um, find a contract. Especially the fact that they sought you out as opposed to you. I know. Approaching them. I know. Yeah, my first group is um, as
1: of this recording um, a few days from now. So. Oh, my
0: goodness. Well, I can't wait yeah. to hear all about it. That's so exciting. Yeah, it should be fun. So do you plan to um, take on individual clients as well as the bigger contracts? Yeah, I would
1: like to. Um, I've talked with a um, mental health cal- counselor who lives and works just down the road from our house. And she um, she and I have been talking, and she kind of offered to let me use her space if I have individuals. Um, for, you know, a small fee we negotiated and um, might negotiate more in the future when I have that interest, hopefully. Um, so that would be ideal,
0: I think, um, to see some individuals in that space just really close to my home. That's wonderful. It sounds like everything's falling into place for you. So that that's really exciting.
1: Yeah, sometimes it feels like chaos, and sometimes it feels like everything's falling into place. <laughs> well,
0: that's that's a life of private practice, especially when you're also balancing a full time job <laughs> at the same yeah. time. Yeah, I've been there, and it's I know that it's not easy, and and especially now with a child doing all those mm-hmm. things. Well, very cool. Well, we'll be interested to hear how things develop for you, and uh, wish you luck with the private practice. Thank you. Yeah. So, Lauren, what kind of advice would you give to fellow music therapists who are just starting out on the journey of motherhood? Hmm. <laughs> breathe. Uh-huh. That's
1: good. And <laughs> take a lot of time to breathe. Um, and trust yourself. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that pregnancy taught me is um, self-care, strangely, But all of a sudden, taking care of myself wasn't taking care of myself. It was taking care of my baby inside my body. And so I knew if I needed to stop and sit down and take a drink of water, that's what my baby needed. At least that's in my mind how I phrased it. And so I was like, well, I got to do that. I can't, I don't want to hurt my baby. And um, I started to get really attuned to my body's needs during that time. And I decided not to let that go. So when previously to pregnancy, I would just run myself ragged. Now I don't do that. You know, I might get exhausted at the end of the day, but throughout the day I sat and drank water when I needed to. And if I needed to sit down and listen to my favorite song and do nothing else but like listen to that song and calm down for a second, I'd do that because I need that to keep going. So Mm -hmm. I think that everybody should do that as well. Just take care of yourself. The work and everything else is going to be there if you take five minutes every now and then for yourself.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I think that's fabulous advice. Well, you talked about your private practice. Do you have any other projects or news that you'd like to share?
1: Um, Yeah. One of the things I'm offering through Joyful Melodies um, was a suggestion of one of my good friends who works with me at the hospital. I was telling her about these heartbeat recordings that I've been doing with um, patients at the hospital who are stuck on the ICU, usually infant patients. Um, I record their heartbeats into my iPad and then um, create a song, a special lullaby with the mothers and merge that together, record that with the heartbeat. And it's, you know, mothers love this. And of course, when I do it at the hospital, it is therapy. You know, it's a targeted therapeutic intervention. I only do it when it's therapeutically appropriate. Um, But through Joyful Melodies, it's more of a product than a therapeutic intervention because I'm... Um, just kind of offering it up to whoever would want a personalized lullaby and their baby's heartbeat. And so um, it's not true therapy, but it's something really cool and I think would be really meaningful to people. So I've just been kind of marketing that, and, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with it. I'm hoping some people would be interested because it's really fun for me to do.
0: I love writing songs. I think that's and, amazing. I love that. I've heard of of people doing that. Um I don't know about other music therapists doing that, although it definitely makes sense as a therapeutic intervention. But um, so how – when you when you um, sell this product, how do you re- get the baby's heartbeat?
1: Um, I've got a fetal Doppler. And so um, I can do it with um, a woman who's 24 weeks or more <laughs> pregnant, so with her fetus actually, or with a newborn baby or any age person really. Um, but it's just a Doppler like your doctor would put on your belly with some um, lubricating jelly
0: to okay, listen so to the heartbeat. The, so this would be something that you would do locally then more so than like an online product. Right, right. Okay. Gotcha. Well that is. But it so would just neat. be one
1: meeting to, to get the heartbeats and the lullaby creation if they wanted to be involved in that. We could do that over right. you know, over the phone or whatever. Have
0: you thought about working with um One of those like boutique places that does the ultrasounds, like the 3D ultrasounds. Oh, that's a great idea. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. That was my first thought because I know that they do – some of them offer like the teddy bears have the heartbeat in them. But I bet if you were to reach out to them and, you know, offer to do that through them or, you know, have them work with you in in some capacity, that would open up your clientele a bit. Yeah, thanks. That's a great idea. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for taking this time to chat with me and share your story. You're welcome. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to send Lauren a message, you can contact her via her website, www.makejoyfulmelodies.com or email lauren at makejoyfulmelodies.com. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Let me know. Get in touch and find the show notes for this episode at guitarsandgranolabars.com. And I would really appreciate it if you would take just a minute to rate and review the show on iTunes so that it reaches even more listeners like you. I'll talk to you again next week.